Welcome back to Dollar Dollar Bills, a way of life to build personal wealth and financial freedom, and part two of my interview with Isaac. They promoted me, and then like they kind of gave me like a, you know ten grand raise, and I was like, okay, this isn't enough, right? Like, I mean, yeah. logically speaking, if you're not that filling my role, and then there's you know, I'm taking on a global team, which I was, I was taking on a, a team of five remotely, right? Yeah. As a, I think I was 27 as a 27 year old, like, come on, you know, right. and so, and whatever, you know, I was going to stick it out primarily because remote work is so important to me. And it's that flexibility. I was like, it's fine. But then I ended up getting I reached out by another company. And, um, and I wasn't planning on leaving as you know, Peloton at the time as a height of the career, I was like, I was going to get a chance to build something out and build out their entire supply chain for them. So I took it. But with a the caveat, they were like, you're gonna have to move to New York. So again, kind of taking the logic and emotion out of it, I, I knew I wanted to be in Texas long term, but I'm like, I got to do this, right? Like, this is such a great opportunity for me to develop and to really test the skills that I've built over the last couple of years. Could I really build out a supply chain for from nothing, given the products that they want to try to launch, given all this? Am I able to leverage those relationships? So I want to take on the challenge. But emotionally, I was thinking, shit, you know, I just came from the East Coast. And nothing against the East Coast, love visiting there, but it, I think my heart has always just been in Texas. My yeah. family is now here. So I'm like, well, let me go do a couple of years in the East Coast. It's fine. Well, we're in the middle of COVID, so that that ended up getting delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And I was like, there's a chance, you know, I might not have to move. But again, leveraging East Coast dollars, so a New York salary in Austin at the time, um, ended up with, I think it was 180 starting. It was like massive crazy bonuses but that honestly didn't you know didn't materialize because of the stock price right now but right. but again that's more money i've ever seen before and i was like holy crap like i can do a lot with this now so i put all that away basically and again didn't raise my living standard and I, then i started to talk to my dad i was like you know how, how can i build something very literally that's sustainable so on the back of a napkin i started sketching out a house i love that and i was, <laughs> and I was like you know and i was bored middle of covid right like almost like an, an etch a sketch uh type of situation yeah. you're just kind of bored you, you don't know what you're doing and again this is more of an artistic thing maybe not necessarily the best best investment but where my parents live right now it's a i think it's a budding area i, I really believe that that could be the next big area that ends up overtaking everything because there's a lot of investment there it's by spacex there's a lot of stuff going on so i was like i kind of want to live there long term so again i'm skipping over my my current state as a person as a 30 year old man single man that wants to be in Austin, and I'm thinking longer term than that. I'm kind of hopscotching it, you know. Kind of the analogy that I use is like like playing chess, right? I love to play chess, so I'm like, I got to think a couple more moves ahead than what I even want now yeah. to be able to build your financial future. So I started building this house for, you know, 35 year old me, 40 year old me, yeah. And and pretty soon, as I'm putting money away, I realize I have enough money to just build the house, and I'm putting money towards it, building it at a slow pace, obviously, but building it outright wasn't taking money out, just building it. A lot of people will think that that's maybe the wrong thing to do, right? And, and I would somewhat agree with them. You know, you may want to take a construction loan or anything. But for me, it was kind of the right psychological step, right? Yeah. To be able to continuously build on it. And as it's getting built, you own, you own that. You really own that outright. Yeah. So we're about two weeks out from finally finishing that construction. That's exciting. Um, you know, construction costs were probably... Uh, I think the last time I did the, the analysis was you know, four hundred and fifty thousand, yeah. which is a lot. But the house is worth six hundred. Yeah. So you think about that, and honestly, and and again, it, it goes back to how you balance your life and how you find value. I found a lot of value of doing this with my father, right? 
I actually got to build some of the stairs myself, the floating staircases. I got to do a lot of the work on the house myself. And there's just something personal to that. So for me, that's a house that I'll always have with him, even if I choose to sell it later. But for a while, I'm going to probably end up living in it and having that memory with him as well as making another smart financial investment yeah. was just great. So I was like, you know, this is amazing. Now I own a house yeah. for me. Well, and going back to your your point of like, maybe that wasn't like the best, most optimized approach to doing it. I have learned and come across people that I've talked to about this. It might not be. And like, there's been things that I've done and, and I'll tell you, Aldo sat me down randomly the other day and he was like, why did we pay off our you know fifty thousand dollar Escalade in one year? We could have done X, Y, and Z with it. But I, you know, I think that that's the whole goal also of why everyone has their own personal reasons and and and, and goals and and then reasons behind how they execute those goals. And for me, it it doesn't always have to make the most beautiful financial sense as long as you're doing something that that works for you and makes sense for you. And sometimes there's those secondary benefits, right? Like for you, it was also that additional emotional, the tie with your dad, you know, like there's other things that go into it. It's not always just the financial, like on paper, this is how I should do it. Sometimes, and I find that if people don't just follow how it should be done on paper, a lot of times, one, they'll execute it, they will actually do it, because sometimes they just will never do it. So they'll do it and then and then they'll, they'll sustain that, they'll sustain those behaviors. And so to me, as long as if it's, it may not be the absolute perfect way to absolutely Probably maximize not. your, you know, your money, mm-hmm. but as long as you're doing it and making the right decisions and the right moves, who cares? It's, it's what works for you. And I think that's a really important message too. And a really important concept that I want people to understand and think about. And I think to kind of build on that, you should never invest in an area where not, you're not willing to live. So yeah. for me, Great. I'm building a house for my future self, I guess, but foundationally I'm thinking, Hey, if I were to lose my job, my amazing job at Amazon, right? My life day to day wouldn't change. If I go move into that house, it's mine. So you end up de-risking a lot of, instead of building a house of cards. I mean, I do like to take some risks. It's not like I'm paying everything off in in progression, but instead of building a full house of cards, I'm kind of building a solid foundation where if you were to fall from grace, which is what I've said to my my sister, you don't fall very far. You end up Right. pick up a job I could go pick up the other the job that I had out of college for 50k and my life would not change right right my day-to-day wouldn't change so I think that's important to mention to people because a lot of people really want to get rich quickly and that may be a really fantastic strategy but there's there is a lot of risk built into that and so you know I'm not saying one way is right or wrong or the other but for me what helps me sleep at night is knowing how far knowing exactly how far I could fall yeah and and meanwhile still taking these you know big risks from a career perspective from a financial perspective and kind of managing that risk level so that you're not overly stressed right you're, you're taking calculated risks that that sit well with you and like honestly that's every person is different in that respect i'm very risk averse i'm trying to become less risk averse so that i can build some things faster and build some sure. different streams of, of you know revenue and income these days but i used to be the most risk averse person you've ever met um, and so i think that's that's a really good point is is focusing on the type of risk and, and make sure it's calculated something you're thinking through to your point, you know, that incremental risk or, you know, maybe decrease in, in your income is, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it, you're not losing sleep at night. And that's the other thing I like to mention to people is don't do something that's 
hurting you physically and yeah. your health. It's not worth it. It's not worth Usually it. Usually your gut knows, right? Exactly. I think your gut knows. You're, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're tossing and turning over a decision, it's probably not the right decision for you. Exactly. And like you said before, it's like you could – I'm not a financial savant. I'm not sitting here. I, honestly, I mean I have my spreadsheet. I have my budget. Yeah. But honestly, it's more of a mindset for me than anything. And to your point, I don't feel like – I know my limitations. I am not so into – even real estate investment or general investment that I could that I could really intelligently execute in a very elegant way, a very complicated and complex strategy where I'm leveraging a whole bunch of things. Right, I'm more of a normal person that has just had a really good career trajectory, and I'm taking that back to build a foundation for myself. Now, that's not to say that that couldn't be later, right? Yeah. But your day job definitely takes a lot of your mental power, and and it's kind of hard to then build these complicated strategies, which is why I didn't do it that way. Right. I didn't over leverage myself into a position to where I would have to manage that stress because I already know it's not good for me. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, and I think that's the key, the, the key to like sustainability in these types of, in these types of activities and in these types of, you know, I want to build. And the biggest trend these days is building multiple streams of income, right? And how yep. can I, and side hustles and hustling in general and gig, you know, side gigs, and I think that that's important that you don't want to overextend yourself because maybe you can do it in your 20s. But but I will tell you right now, I'm <laughs> being well into the mid 30s. It, it, you get tired, and it's and also to your point, I'm at a different stage in my life. I'm not single anymore. I have a family. You also don't want to you don't want to sacrifice you, exactly. You don't want that to be at the detriment of you know really your profession or your personal life. Your profession. You know, you really have to balance those two things out. I think the question is like just like working out, right? Like working out is a consistency game. Exactly. How, how, what, what do you need to be like, how, how much can you take on and continue to be consistent? And so for me right now, I mean, I have two properties right now, right? But I think I can take on a third one, right? So yeah. it's like, at this point, you know, I'm thinking of what, what else could I now do? You know, now that you're a little bit, you get a little bit smarter every year. It isn't as hard. I, I, I kind of like use the metaphor, you kind of like a juggler, right? You start off with one ball, you're kind of just tossing it. Then you got two in the air, you got three in the air, four in the air. Pretty soon you can have multiple ones in the air, but you don't want to immediately get a hole, you know, get yourself into a hole where you're, where you're totally going to implode and then become very discouraged about, about investing. Cause it's scary for a lot of people. You just have to start with something right? and have to learn the process, even going through the closing process of the house. I mean, the first time you go through that, it, it, it's mystifying. A lot of people think it's this crazy process. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, right. you gotta, you gotta do your due diligence and just read and learn and, and, and educate yourself. But honestly, as I've been going through this and now getting into more I guess more what you would call commercial real estate, right? It, it, it isn't much different than when you bought your first house. Right. Buying a second house is just like buying a first one. Doing construction is a different process. But again, now going through that once, I mean, it wasn't that complicated. It's just learning it and having, uh, I had a recent friend tell me, you know, just trying it out, right? Just trying it out. And if it doesn't work out, and if it's not for you, then you just move on and you have all your 20s and, and part of your 30s to make those mistakes if you exactly. need to. But and nine that, out of ten yeah. times you won't allow yourself to do that. You will mostly figure it out if you're motivated enough. I love it, 100%. And I like the idea of giving yourself also the the ability and 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 the the bandwidth to fail a little bit. You know, don't make the yep. same mistake the same mistake twice. Don't do that. But allow yourself to to go out on on a limb a little bit because that's really where you're going to start building. As long as it's successful, as long as you've done your homework. For the most sure. part, to your point, you're going to succeed. 
But also like don't over, if you only have $3,000 in your savings account and you're like, I want to buy an investment property, probably not the best route to take. You should probably have- Learn to save first. Exactly. You should have more of a cushion for yourself because if something goes wrong, then to your point, you haven't fallen that far. And I think that's key for people to, to, you know, if you want to start looking at different things, you're tired of the nine to five or, or just, you're not making as much money as you would like at the nine to five. Freaking inflation has been 9%. So like it's, crazy. it's it's insane. And maybe you just need more money to live or you just want more freedom and flexibility. And so you want to build something else. And you know what? The general trend that I've noticed, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll move into what I'm doing now because I think it catches up. But the general trend that I notice with companies now is that they're very relentless. And, and, and I, I have honestly always really appreciated all my you know mentors and the companies. They've given me a really good financial path. But as the years go on, truthfully, I mean, and, and this is, you know, probably for, for, for anybody that listens to you that's coming in uh, straight out of college, these companies are becoming a little bit more cold and calculated for lack of a better term. So you have to be prepared for something to go wrong as opposed to, you know, 50 years ago when you, you know, you're a lifer at a company, right. you get a nice pension plan. That's not what happens today. Then I'm not saying, you know, job hop every year. I'm saying do whatever's right for your overall career path, do whatever's right for your financial path and do whatever's right for yourself psychologically. Don't be don't, don't stay at a company just because you feel like you owe it to them. Like it is a transactional thing and you have to treat it as such. You have to be at a company, do your best, give them the best that you got so that you can, you know, you can feel like you're doing your work, but don't, don't feel like you, you, you owe your life to anybody. I mean, it, it sounds wrong to say it because obviously I, I, I enjoy the companies that I work with, but that's what I call it. I, I don't work for them. I work with them yeah. because I'm also giving back to them and I'm, and I'm leaving lasting impacts. That's why, you know, in my bio, it says I only work for companies that I feel are going to create an impact because I want to be a part of that impact. But that doesn't mean that you need to be married to somebody, you know, to a company for, for forever because 100%. it may not be the best thing for you. It may not be the best thing for your growth. You may be stunting yourself that way. Right. I, I 100% agree. And I used to feel that way. Like, I think I was at Phillips and, and then I'll let you get to the, the last piece of where you're at now. But I, used to, I was at Phillips for like almost eight years and it was my first job and I think at the time I was like, I need to be there for like 10 years because then no other companies want to going to want to hire me because I jump around too much. And then I will tell you in the last, what, year and a half, I've jumped three different companies now and now branching off and doing my own thing. So I, I do think that that, I do think, and maybe it's a generational thing and the younger generations and, and really the younger workforce is realizing that. I think they're realizing their value it, it like it, alongside the company's value in terms of the monetary value they can give to an employee, but also the employees like I also am valuable. And, you sure. know, and, and it's, and it's a, it, to your point, it's like a two way street. It's very, and it's a transactional thing. So just cause they're paying you an X amount of money, you're giving them X amount of value for that money. So exactly. why do I owe you 10 years here? Why do I, and especially when companies, when you, when you move up internally, don't really financially reward you the way that you should be. And and you can have somebody coming in externally and getting a higher, you know, bump than, than you would. So I totally see that. I see that now and I, I feel that myself. I, I, I'm with you. I'll give you the example because it's public and I can talk about it, right? But I saw friends get laid off at Peloton, best friends. We had an amazing group. In fact, we still talk, right? Yeah. I, I'm in a group chat with my old coworkers at Peloton and I, and, I, and I joined that company because of the energy and because of the level of caliber people that were there. Yeah. But, you know, as, as leadership made some, what I would consider some very poor decisions, right? I saw people that were very passionate of the brand next day gone. And I mean, seeing that for me is heartbreaking because I, I had signed up to work for this team. Yeah. I honestly, if that had not happened, I'd still be working there today. 
Yeah. That this is the reality. I was getting paid enough. I was, I was, I was doing something that for me was fulfilling, but just seeing my team completely disappear and people that I really cared about that I actually bonded with, right? And these are people that lived in New York. They lived elsewhere, right? But we bonded just like we're talking right now. Yeah. We, we had that connection and we got to go on a couple of trips together and we, we all just worked so well together. Seeing them disappear was very heartbreaking, but it goes back to your point. Okay, well, this isn't what I signed up for, right? The, the circumstance has now changed. Right. And when you, when, you, when, you, when you then apply for another company or maybe you get pulled you know, from, a, from a past relationship into a new company, you can explain that. It isn't that you're job hopping. It's just things, I mean, a circumstance that, that changed. It wasn't what you originally planned on doing. It's not like you're going job to job to job just asking for more money. It's not that at all. Exactly. It's, you, you, you carry it out on until it no longer feels right for you. Going back to your gut feeling, it no longer felt right for me with my whole team gone. And I was like, uh, my old you know uh, boss reached out to me that actually worked at Stanley. And she was she now was at Amazon. She, she's like, do you want to come work for me and to develop the program that we're not developing? I was like, yeah, absolutely. But maybe if my team was still there, right, I would have been like, no, no you know, exactly. I'm, I'm very happy. And I wouldn't even approach the salary discussion. None of that would have happened because you would have been content. But to your point, you don't need, I don't think the younger generations, if you're going to follow this path, because there's other paths to follow, you don't have to be a corporate employee to make it. But if you're going to follow this path, you should be cognizant of it. it serve and be served until it no longer feels right. Exactly. And at that point, whether it's a year, two years, five years, 10 years, whatever that might be, do it until until you feel that gut feeling is, is overtaking you or whatever that is. 100%. So, so I'm, uh, you know, again, going back to the house, now that house is done, right? I'm, I'm starting to look into, well, how, I mean, this is a beautiful house and everything, and but there's a lot of money and equity tied in there now, yep. right? So I'm like, how do I then leverage equity? So I started looking into uh, a home equity loans. Right. And, and how I could possibly leverage that into an investment property. And so right now I'm looking at that the same area, like I told you, South Padre. So she, you know, 20 minutes from now, I have a call with my broker to try to figure out if it cash flows. But I'm now looking less into properties that are that are for purely speculative equity growth. And I'm more so looking for properties that have a very, very predictable cash on cash return. Right. So yeah. that's what I'm now doing, because I feel like, again, if we go back to risk taking and foundational building, you know, I. As long as I buy it for the right price, I don't care if the multiplex that I buy is is up or down as opposed to the general market. I just care that monthly that I have a sustainable cash flow. And so far, what I've been doing with my strategy is, you know, buy something in a speculative market, right? Which I, I got, we got very lucky because we're in Austin, yeah. probably the most speculative market ever. You Absolutely. could pretty much throw a rock anywhere and make money. Yep. But now I have this other property that's still speculative, the one that I live in now. And I want, and, and, and then the house that's more foundational, but I now want something that is going to start to steer me away maybe from being fully dependent on my primary income. And the only way to do that is to have something that literally monthly pays you. Exactly. Right. And I could have done that from the beginning, I think, but I felt again, because of the way my life moved me, that I wanted to live in my investments first yeah. and I wanted to enjoy that. And then now you sell it and you know, you move into something else. I think I have a lot of friends that that purely focus on making money on the buy, right? That, that, that I have a lot of friends on the East Coast have a couple properties. They they just they made making money on the buy from day one. For me, it wasn't like that. It was more so a mixture, like you said. It wasn't a perfect strategy. It was more so I wanted to enjoy the fruits of my labor while also investing in them. Yeah, and I think that's that makes great. Sense. Yeah, no, it does, and I think it's really interesting because I think the biggest takeaway of talking to you was was really understanding your I think to your point, the parallels of like your corporate journey and your finance, how you built your financial, you know, somewhat of like a nest egg so that you could then, 
you know, build beyond your corporate journey and how it took you there and why. I think it's all been been really great. And now I know we're going to talk probably in the future about, you know, sure. invest, like real estate investments. It's something I'm personally wanting to get into. But I think it's something that, that you can, we can kind of help each other with. And I, again, that's, yep. I think that's also the power of networking generally is finding those resources who can really help us all leverage. Because again, we're, we're kind of at the day and age where it's, you don't just have, like corporate jobs aren't the only, you know, answer mm-hmm. and option. And when there's this drive for better, you know, corporate cultures or just cultures generally that you can work in and the flexibility and the work-life balance, like they're just so, it really opens up some opportunities that I think people, I want people to start thinking about and, and learning about and, and opening themselves up to those opportunities. And if they come kind of to you, they, it kind of came naturally and organically, but being, being open and, and generally looking for some of those other opportunities to build wealth in other ways than, you know, there's two parts of the equation, right? It's spending and um, it really, it's your expenses and your income a month. And so I focus a lot on a lot of my episodes on how do you really reduce, minimize, optimize the expense. But I've had a lot of people come to me and say, well, how do I do what? There's another side of the equation. How do I, how do I increase my income? So I think this conversation can, can open some eyes and can some, can, can give some possibilities up to that of what that could look like. You do have to take calculated risks. I can say to this day, right? I save fifty percent. That that has not stopped. That's I mean, more amazing, than 50% and that at is point. probably like people I, would dro- like their jaws would drop. I think when they hear this, that that's amazing. That's impressive. You get paid, and you just. And I mean, just I, it's like it's it. second nature, and I, and I mean, you know me as personally, right? Yeah. I, I'm still having fun. Yeah, like, exactly. And I definitely did increase, you know, my my quality of life a little bit as as a result, even of the Amazon switch, but. And, and, and Peloton and, and all the other companies that yeah. got me over that six-figure mark. But it, you got to, again, go back to, to the basics, like what makes you happy and what do you want to invest your money in? But now I think we're getting to a point where, or at least I feel like I am, and you know, you and Aldo may be getting into that point as well, where now that you have your house in order and you have several investment strategies put in place and you have a couple of things going, this networking piece is super important. So now getting to know the right people. And now, I mean, and I was talking to Ben about this the other day, maybe even going in together on investment properties because 100%. if you're now trying to get to the next tier, right, and you see all these people doing it, right, Grant Cardone and yep. a whole bunch of these other investors, Gary Vee, they're not doing it on, by themselves, right? right? They're leveraging each other to be able to build this massive amount of wealth. And you see it here in Austin all the time. You see conglomerates of people that get together, they put in money, you diversify the risk, you build these massive commercial developments, and it isn't really that risky for any given person, right. but it, but you only want to do it with people that have their house in order. So at this point, that's where I'm at as well. I'm meeting a lot of people here in the area where I'm like, hmm, could I potentially partner with somebody here on a deal or, or not, right? right. And, 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 and it's because, you know, the, the property that I'm not looking at, at uh, in South Padre, I mean, we're talking about million dollar properties and up, and this is still cheap for a fourplex. Yeah. You know, yeah. that wouldn't be something you see here in Austin, but you right. know, in my mind, I'm thinking shit, like I'm really about, I'm, I'm really seriously considering investing in a, you know, 1.3, $1.5 million property yeah. where 10 years ago, that would have seemed like a pipe dream. Right. Right. Obviously that doesn't mean you buy it outright, but it's like, how do you, how do you then leverage yourself how into you, that position do it. safely, yeah. exactly. safely. So I am starting to do a lot of networking from this regard and kind of what we've been having some of these conversations. Cause I'm like, I really would like to get with people that have some, have enough of their own assets together to whether you can build something outside that's a little bit more commercial. Yeah. And I, I really believe that that's the next level. You cannot do that by yourself. No, I don't think, I mean, some people may have done that, but I, I just, the people that I've met that are, have successfully done it have done that with others. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You need, you need to pull. And, and that's the other thing is 
pulling those resources, finding people, like-minded people that, to your point, have their house in order and, and you can leverage each other and you can help build that wealth together is so important. I think, I think that's great. And, and I think that's probably a, a good place to end this. I, I, unless you have anything else that you want to, you know, are my listeners to kind of learn about you, learn about some of your financial sentiments, <laughs> some of your financial advice, anything that you've done personally that's worked really well. Last thoughts. <laughs> that you might have. Yeah, last last thoughts. Well, I want to thank you, obviously, for having me on. Oh, I know that this you. is you know a growth oh journey God. for you as well, and and I'm happy to be here and kind of talk to people. And I, and I wish you the best of luck with the rest of the with the rest of this specifically. I think it's super important to have honest and open conversations. The last thing that I would say is, you know, even if you're your earlier twenties, don't be afraid to have these open conversations with your friends at your level. Right? Agreed. Don't be afraid to talk about how much you know you may have or not have. Don't be afraid to talk about budgeting. Don't be afraid of, to just be honest with, with your with your peer group, which I, I think I've learned that over time. And it's always been such a taboo, especially earlier on. There's so much totally. competition. And you know when you start to realize that everyone's kind of, I hate to say it this way, but as long as you're working for, not, not freely working uh, on your investments, I, I think we're all working for somebody else. So it almost doesn't matter. Like right. I would say the difference between, you know, for me at least, once you reach six figures, I don't even think it really matters. So I used to have so much anxiety of having these conversations with my younger peers. We would almost never have them. And and you do miss out on a lot. I mean, there's, there's people in their earlier twenties, 22 to 25, they're, they're making great leaps even outside of what you and I are doing. And if you don't have these conversations, you'll never get to know what what you could be doing better. So that would be my last thought. You know, just don't be afraid to talk about this. You can talk about, you know, you know, who's, who's dating who or whatever, that's fine. But you know, Try to put some time aside to really yeah. talk about what's going to matter. Right. I love I love that. And I, I, I really want to end on that because that that's perfect. And I couldn't agree more. I do want people to know, like I said, if, if there's a way to connect to you, if there's any resources you have, um, share it here. And then I'll also share it in the show notes as well once we, once we jump off, uh, off the podcast. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, email-wise, you know, I, I'm pretty open to it. You know, my first, first and last name, Isaac, um, a at gmail.com, or even just look me up on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on that because you know, obviously it's important if anybody wants to reach out and just ask any, you know, general questions. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm going through the journey like everybody else, but um, I'm happy to, to help. I love it. Thanks so much again for your time and for joining. I'm sure I'll see and talk to you soon. But I do want everyone listening to always remember, respect yourself by respecting your, your money. We'll talk soon. Bye.